Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Are you kidding me? You are looking live. Winning cures everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in, welcome in, Winning Cures Everything. It's Sunday, October 25th. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And this is the CFB 335. It's the Week 8 recap. And uh, and it felt like a full weekend for the first time all season. We got the Big Ten back. We got the Mountain West back. We had a full slate of games. Uh, Chris, did you just watch football from sunup to sundown? I did. I it, did. I didn't get a whole lot else done. Was it glorious? So, uh, It was nice. <laughs> It feels good to have the Big Ten back, right? Like you, it you does. Got some, it really does. You got some of these low-scoring, you know, real battles going on. Iowa, Purdue, you know, we're not going to talk about that one necessarily. But, uh, you know, some of the, the bigger games, Minnesota, Michigan, nice to see those uh, uniforms back and whatnot. It was, uh, it was an interesting day. So before we get to all of that, of course, this is a podcast exclusive. We are doing two of those a week. So you won't be able to get this on the YouTube. You won't be able to get it anywhere else, only right here on the podcast. And if you are listening, we appreciate you. Make sure you are subscribed and that you share out the show and that you leave a nice five-star written review. We would definitely appreciate that. All of the other shows you can find over at winningcureseverything.com. All the places to find us live, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we're on Periscope, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube. All of those we go live on three days a week. So... We, we talk NFL over there. We talk, you know, college football. We talk anything else. We talked about the UFC last week. So, lots and lots to get to over there. WinningCuresEverything.com is the website. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We will reach back out to you. I swear to God, we certainly will. I am at GaryWCE. I'm at Chris B. Giannini. And I'm telling you, we've, we've had a lot of people reaching out over the past week or so, and, and we try our best to get back to everybody. So if you want to ask us a question, what our thoughts are, if you're uh, having some doubts about one of your bets and you want to see which way we're going so you can fade us, uh, because, good Lord, I went 2-5 and five on my picks yesterday. It was atrocious. Um, but either way, uh, whatever you want to do, if you want to talk to us, you can reach out right over there, and that is the easiest way to do it. If you want to ask a question for us on the podcast, you can do it there as well. Our college football content, for the most part, is over at sportsbookreview.com. The easiest way to get there, sbrpicks.com slash NCAAF. That is going to be your one-stop shop for all of your college football content this season. They've got a great crew over there, do deep dives on basically every game. It's, it's insane, the amount of work that they put into that. And make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel. That's where our show is three days a week, Monday for the opening line show, Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time for the pick show slash flagship show where we do our deep dives into all the biggest games. And then our Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, a closing line show. We go live and uh, and discuss, you know, how the lines have moved, what's going on, what the biggest games look like, et cetera, et cetera. So make sure that you check out all of those. Now, Chris, the biggest story of yesterday was, I think, Indiana. 
Indiana gets a massive win, 36-35 over Penn State in overtime. They decided to go for two when they scored late. Uh, if you look at the advanced stats after the game, Indiana had a 5% post-game win expectancy. That means if that game had been played over, you know, a thousand more times, 95% of the time, Penn State would have won with the circumstances that that came up towards the end of the game. Um it is Indiana's first win against a top 10 team since 1988. It was 42 straight games that they had lost in that position. Uh, Indiana has not been a good program. We talked about this before. It seemed like Tom Allen had gotten this program headed in the right direction. Michael Penix Jr. looks like the real deal at quarterback. He's not a great passer by any stretch of the imagination, but he's an incredible athlete, and he can make plays. Uh, this was a fun game. Indiana... Basically, I'm not going to say they dominated the game, but they were up 17-7 to for a while. Penn State missing field goals. It just mistakes all over the board, which you would expect in the first game of the year. We always knew this was going to be a tough spot for Penn State and James Franklin and them, but I did this surprise you in any way? Well, it didn't surprise me. I mean, we, we talked about it on the closing line show. I liked Indiana in this game, and I liked Indiana on the money line. Um, I thought they had a chance to to win this game you know, the last, the end of the week, the more I thought about it, the more I looked at, you know, excuse me, on our Tuesday show, we talked about all that Penn State had lost and how just these younger guys that you're replacing talent with, they all have, you know, four and five stars on the back of their names, but they're young and they're inexperienced. And so far that has not looked good in college football. And, and so with, with that logic, I was, I was leaning very heavily towards Indiana, liked Indiana a lot, ended up playing them, ended up playing them with the money line. And up until that final drive of Penn State where they broke free and scored late, Indiana dominated and controlled this game from start to finish. Penn State took a lead late. And I thought that was the ball game. I thought, oh, this is a shitty way for this thing to end. And then – Lo and behold, Indiana fights back, ties the ball game, gets it in overtime, goes for two. And one of the most miraculous, like, to use like a horse racing term, photo finishes we've ever seen in our lives. Um, the still photo of, of Penix Jr. stretching out is one of the most incredible photos I've seen in college football history and maybe football history. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I just the the whole thing. I don't. I'm not going to say that Indiana dominated the game. Like they led for a a large portion of this. Well, they game. led the entire game. I mean, not just a large portion. They led the entire game until what the last three four minutes of the fourth quarter. Yeah, but like, it, it, but they. I don't think they dominated. Like it's it. So we we got to figure out exactly what domination is, right? Because. Like, Penn State won basically every statistical category. They could not get the ball in the end zone. They could not this score. Is, but it, this is why you don't let the math nerds dictate the outcome of games, Gary. This is why I always hate analytics, because you don't take – I say this all the time in business. You don't take percentages to the bank. You take money to the bank. I don't care if you make 40%, if you make 80%, or if you make 20% profit. All right? At the end of the day, how much money did you put in the bank? How much money did you actually make in football? Nobody gives a shit about yards. Now, if you want to try to look after the fact and predict the future, 
then yes, you look at win expectancy, you look at uh, success rate, you look at all these things. But when you're in the middle of the game, you only look at points. That's all. That's all that matters. Is oh, how true. many points did you put on the board? And Penn State put up very, very, very few. Yes, and that's that's the most surprising thing coming out of this, right? Uh, rushing yards, like let's let's just go down the stats right quick because they, I mean this was the biggest game of the day. Um, first downs at Penn State won twenty seven to sixteen total yards. Penn State won four eighty eight to two eleven uh, passing yards. Penn State two thirty eight to one seventy uh, rushing yards two hundred and fifty for Penn State to only forty one for for Indiana. Uh, Indiana had one point six yards per rush. And Penn State had 4.8. Now, the other side of this, uh, those hidden yards, Penn State had 10 penalties for 100 yards. Indiana had four for 36. If Penn State ended up with three turnovers, Indiana had two. And the time of possession. I mean, every time you turn the, the game on, Penn State had the football. They, they won time of possession 40 minutes and 25 seconds to 19 minutes and 35 seconds. And they could not score. It, it was mind-boggling to see that they they could not do anything with the football, and I, I just I, it it, it kind of blew my mind a little bit. Uh, Penn State was zero for three on field goals, like I mean, just ridiculous. And Indiana kicked two of them, and it was the the thing that won the game. Like it was yeah. mind blowing. So yeah, I mean, this was uh, this was crazy to see. You know, Indiana got thirty six points off of you know just over two hundred yards, but. They found a way to get it done, and that's that's the but, sign but of a resilient team. do you not team. think that's a level of domination, the fact that I only need 200 yards to score 36 points? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, like, you have like a valid point You only point look at yards as a positive thing, and I look like so, – so I was listening to um, Warren Sharp this week, and he talked about how, you know, one level of domination is, is how good a team is on third down. It was like, oh, well, they converted 10 of 13 third downs. It was like, yeah, well, that other team converted – only two, but but they only had five third downs the whole game. Yeah. So, like, there's a level of domination of being able to be so successful with so few plays. Yes. No, you're, I mean, the you're fact right. that they, they ran as few of plays that they ran, I mean, that also leads to the yardage rate as well. They just didn't have the ball to run very many plays, so their yards per play isn't terrible. They just didn't run a lot of plays. No, that's and they it. were incredibly right. successful, Adam. Look at the points per play. I mean, that, that's a stat that talks about success rate and things of that. It's hard to argue. This is why I hate analytics is because you, you can make the story say anything you want, but at the end of the day, I watched that game, and I felt like at no point in time until Penn State scored late, at no point in time did I think Indiana was in danger of losing that game. Um, as far as success rate goes, Penn State had a total success rate of 49% on the day. Indiana only 33%. Um, on standard downs, it was 48% to Penn State uh, to 40% for Indiana. Uh, passing downs, 54% for Penn State and only 20% for Indiana. So, like, it's yes, I'm I'm with you. I, it just it's a it's a mind blowing kind of game when the post game win expectancy is is 95% for one team and normally. Those stats turn into a win. But at what point and, in time was it ninety five percent? Once Penn State's up by the touchdown and overtime. No, no, no. It's just, the the post game win expectancy is like, it, hey, you you have these stats for a ball game. Typically, okay. typically that's that fine. team wins. Yeah, so that's fine. That's, this is this is why stats don't matter. 
Yeah, no, uh, you again, you have a valid point. And, and it's why it's why we call it, you know, gambling because we we talk a lot of gambling about college football. It it's gambling because you never know what's going to happen in these games. I mean, it just crazy stuff happens week after week after week and uh and it's just insane. So I I don't think Penn State looked awful. Uh but man, they got to they got to fix that field goal stuff and they got to fix uh their turnovers and and those two things really cost them this ball game. I mean, you hit one of those field goals, it, it, this is not even a question. The other side of this is at the end of the game, uh, instead of scoring that last touchdown, I mean, go if, down. If, yeah, go down. Like, go I, down. I, I understand wanting to score the touchdown. I get that. Yep. And that's part yep. of the youth thing, right? They, but they, go, they, go, they go down at the one-yard line. This is ball game. Yes. They, they win the game. They don't get upset. It doesn't go into overtime. Yep. You got it. You this, this is it. this is where players need to know circumstances better, and I put that on coaching. I put that on coaching 100%. You tell the kids, listen, if you break away, you have to go down. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's mind-blowing stuff. It really is. I, I just I, I can't understand it. I never will. I don't, I don't know. Um, let's move on from there. Let's stay in the Big Ten. Michigan looked really good. Really good against Minnesota, forty-nine to twenty-four. Now we, you know, Minnesota had some guys out, but I don't know that it necessarily made that big of a difference. I don't think uh, it did. I mean, at Michigan just thirty-one Jimmy's carries. Got him a quarterback. Yeah, uh, yes, he does. Well, not only that, but they were able to run the football with everybody. Uh, yep. Thirty-one carries, two hundred fifty-three yeah. yards, an average of eight point two per carry. They had five rushing touchdowns. Joe Milton looked pretty good. 15 out of 22, 225 yards, one touchdown. Had a 93 QBR in this game. Uh, Tanner Morgan, the much more established quarterback, uh, the one that had the experience. 18 out of 31 passing, 197 yards, one uh, touchdown, one pick, 41.8 QBR. Uh, Minnesota was able to run the ball a a little bit. Muhammad Ibrahim had 26 carries for 140 yards, two touchdowns. You know, not too bad, but on the day, like Tanner Morgan, like that that Michigan defense looked fantastic. Yep, they they, they were. They look like they haven't missed a beat ooh. every year. That defense gets better and better and better. It, I think they got dudes. I think they got dudes this year. Now let's let's be careful, okay? The, see, this is the problem about about some of these games, which is expectations. The separation between Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State is so different than everybody else. All right, Michigan looks good. I don't think Michigan's going to lose a game if they continue to play this way and they don't run into weird COVID situations until they get to Ohio State. Oh, but, let's let's hold on. They they still got to play Wisconsin, man. I, I don't I think this team looked better. I would tell you this that's going to be a great football game. Yes it is. That's going to be a great football game. I don't know, man. I Milton looks unbelievable. Jimmy has not had a quarterback like this since Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck wasn't like this. Andrew Luck is a way better passer than Milton might ever be, but he wasn't the athlete, and, and Luck was a hell of an athlete. Oh, yeah. He wasn't the athlete. This kid is 6'5", 243. Come on, man. Yeah. I mean, this he's... Kid's, this kid's a damn linebacker. He is. I mean, that's, 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 what, that's what Devin White is. And he, he right? was throwing some dimes. Oh, no, he's got a laser. I'm telling you, so this game was happening at the exact same time as my LSU Tigers were playing, and I watch. I, I got I got one game on the iPad, my team on the on the, the big TV. I got the iPad sitting next to me with this game, and I keep looking back and forth, and I'm like, 
these two quarterbacks look alike. Like they look like they're brothers. They look like they could be related. And I go and I pull up their stats. Milton, 6'5", 243, uh, 242, sorry. And, uh, and Finley, 6'6", yeah. 243. And I thought, that they're clones. They're just identical to one another. And they both were throwing lasers. When they got away, they could run. Um, it, it, they... Jim hasn't had a quarterback that looked like this ever. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see what they're going to do the rest of the year. Like yeah, this was they looked good. You know, it, obviously we recorded this on Sunday morning. It's easy to overreact, but 100%. I don't feel like this is a, an overreaction. This, we, we listen. You know. We've seen one game. In that one game, there could be a world in which Minnesota is not going to be very good this year. Okay, now yeah. because I watched LSU Mississippi State, and I grossly overreacted to Mississippi State, and maybe. Mississippi State's not that good. LSU's defense was just that bad. There could be a world in which Minnesota's just going to struggle this year. Okay? We've so, seen really good teams not play very well this year in COVID year. I'm going to I'm going to actually it. I'm going to talk about that with with LSU once we get later on in the uh, in the thing. But uh, matchups. I mean, I, maybe maybe yeah. Michigan is just a terrible matchup for Minnesota, well, and that could be it. You know, and we'll see because obviously we we thought the world of Mississippi State, but I I really think that was just a matchup thing. Uh, as as we saw from South Carolina, like, no, that and and this is this is but so there's a little bit of overreaction here, and there's a little bit of projecting, oh, a whole lot of projecting, but at the same time, I, I'm I'm also understanding of the fact that what I'm seeing might not be real, because I don't know how to judge both teams. I felt the same way with watching the Northwestern game. I was like, holy crap, Northwestern's amazing. Mm. I, and then I want to take a breath and say there could be a world in which Maryland might be the worst defense in football. So let's be careful about crowning one team and skewing my perspectives or our our opinions um, because I really don't know what these opponents are until I get a couple of sample sizes from everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Now that, that makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. Uh, Rashad Bateman, by the way, in his return, uh, nine receptions, 101 yards, uh, you know, not bad. Not bad, but didn't do anything that was groundbreaking. You know, it, it was it, it was typical Big Ten kind of passing game. Uh, that secondary, <laughs> that secondary of Michigan looked good. The front seven looked yes. real good. Yes, they did. I mean, they got five sacks on Morgan. I mean, he he just didn't have a chance to be you know to do anything. No, they uh, Minnesota averaged six point four yards per pass. Um, Michigan with Joe Milton in averaged ten point two yards per pass. So, so I really wish, and that 6.4 yards would go down considerably. Um, Morgan, because of all the sacks, had negative 37 yards of rushing. I yeah. really wish college would, when statistics would get with the NFL, if the quarterback is drawing the ball, if it's a quarterback run design, then all those in their tackle behind the line of scrimmage, it goes against the uh, the rushing stats. But if it's a true sack, then it goes against your passing yards. Yeah, and, and I wish that they would get with the times of doing that so we can really grade these quarterbacks because if you took 40 yards off of uh, Morgan's passing, he, he goes from having 197 yards to, to what's the quick math on that, 157 yards? Like one, like 160, that's, yeah. That's considerably worse considering that he had 31 attempts and he's got 150 yards. Like that's that, – yeah. that, that puts it in a little different perspective, and I just want to grade these guys appropriately. That's all. Yeah, I'd, I'd be I'd be okay with that. I mean, I would I would certainly be okay with that. Joe Milton had uh, eight carries for fifty two yards and uh, and one touchdown. So, 
you know, Milton looks like the real deal. Zach Charbonnet looks good. Hassan Haskins looks good. Uh, oh, Haskins, it, Haskins ran really well. Yeah, I mean, it, it, everybody from Michigan like looked. Well, good. yeah, they did. They, but they dominated. And, and like I said, I'm I'm trying to not get too hyped up about it because there could be a world in which Minnesota's might might not be very good this year. It is it is entirely possible. Uh, the number three biggest story I took from the weekend. Uh, Alabama gets a big win over Tennessee. That was fully expected. They win by 31, 48-17. Mac Jones, 25 out of 31, 387 yards. Did not throw a touchdown, but he did have one rushing. Um, you know, that is what it is. Najee Harris, 20 carries, 96 yards, three touchdowns. It, Tennessee actually showed up in this game. Uh, Jared Guarantano threw some, you know, uh, he, he threw some dimes in a couple of spots. Uh, he didn't make, like, the massive... Uh, mistake in this game. There was one fumble that uh, the Tennessee uh, lost that Eric Gray actually fumbled, and Malachi Moore for Alabama ran it back. And you know it is what it is. Uh, Alabama pretty much dominated early, but the first play of the game, they lose Jalen Waddle, who may be the most explosive player in college football this season, uh, broke his ankle on the opening kickoff, and you know everybody wanted to. I swear. When, when people take a portion of a quote, they they run with it. So on Twitter yesterday, it was all like, Saban is such a, a jerk, and I can't believe he would say that because he mentioned in the halftime interview with CBS, you know, we have told the guys not to bring the ball out when it's that deep in the end zone. But, you know, the other part of this was, look, Jalen is a fantastic player, and, and we normally let him, you know, just make his own judgment on these things, but we've told him not to do that. And, you know, you just hate to see a guy of, of his caliber go out and we're going to miss him and we love him and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But he, he will not be suiting up for Alabama again. He will be an NFL draft pick next year. Um, you know, uh, David Chow, who is a uh, pro football doc, he likened this injury, the the way that it looked on screen, to Dak Prescott's. So uh, I don't know that it popped out like that. Uh, well, that's so. I'm just going by what the what the medical professional said. Like I, 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 I don't that. know, but that, that sounds that sounds like a lot of. No, I'm not saying a broken ankle is not a big deal. Okay, yeah. that that sounds like a lot of. Look at me, click on my stuff. I mean, maybe so, but I, that Dak Prescott ankle injury is an ankle injury we have not seen since you know. Uh, uh, oh God! Who was the Celtic that just had it? Happen? Uh, Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward. Yeah. yeah. Since it happened to Hayward, but like that, we don't see the bones sticking out of somebody's leg all the time. People break their ankles kind of regularly in professional sports and college sports. Yeah. But but not like Dax. So let's let's just it, it, that that's sensationalism. It doesn't mean that what happened to Waddle isn't serious and isn't real. But but that's a hundred percent sensationalism. Uh, maybe so. Maybe so. I, and no evidence in, in seeing that ankle injury did we see anything look like his ankle was protruding out of the skin, out of his leg. Oh, great. Well, at the same time, I mean, it was like super taped up and whatnot. So I, you know, it. I, you can it. see it. It can't. It can't pop out if it's super taped up. Like yeah, it's, we. That's the reason you tape it up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, we. I mean, you did see it dangling. So like, it, it, immediately I knew. All right, this ain't good. Like this well, is yeah. not a good thing. He, it's he, bad. It's bad. It was it's real yeah. bad. It's absolutely bad, and and it is going to change the way that Alabama plays, you know, offense going forward. When you don't have that guy, like Devonta Smith is fantastic, and John Mechie is fantastic. They've got guys that will step up in that spot. 
but none of them do what Jalen Waddle does. Uh, the other argument from a lot of people was, you know, why on earth would you have your best player back as a punt returner or a kick returner? That just doesn't make sense. And I feel like these people don't know a damn thing about football. It, do do punt returns and kickoff return touchdowns count the same as as other touchdowns? Like the it, problem is, is you're you're risking a a high risk, high talented player on a low percentage play. I understand so yes, that the touchdown counts the same. But last night LSU had a touchdown return, a kickoff return run for a touchdown. It's the first kickoff return in Tiger Stadium in forty years. Yeah. It's it's a low percentage play, but it's a high risk play. Punt returners and kick returners get hurt all the time, but they score touchdowns very rarely. So I understand that criticism. I think that criticism is valid. It's an okay question to ask. And it's an okay question to say, we want to put our best athlete back there and take every chance we can. But that's part of the gamble. That's part of the chance that you're taking. And so I don't think that people are wrong to criticize. Saban is not above being criticized for things. Agreed, agreed. But I I don't think, like, nobody thought anything about it other than – you know, it, once he gets hurt, then it's oh well, maybe. But but like, why would you, you not? Don't, you why would don't you not have your best kick things. returner back there? Like no, yeah. But nobody thinks about you know, I don't know, just like oh my house burned down and now I lost this. Well, well, why didn't you have it somewhere safer? Why didn't you put it like no? You don't think about it because I don't think my house is going to burn down. Like I don't think my best player is going to get his ankle broken. Yeah. Like you don't plan for these things and you don't expect them. You game plan to try to win the game. I understand why Saban did it. And I also understand the people that want to criticize and ask the question, why are we doing that? Yeah. And here's and it, the it, other difference, Gary, that this is a team that you should beat the hell out of. And you did beat the hell out of what, like you want to do that against Georgia. I get it. You want to do that in a game where, you, you know, it's coming down to the dick cutting. I get it. All right, you want to do that against a team you're a 30 point favorite over and you're probably going to beat the shit out of, then, you know, is the risk really worth it then? So, yeah, I, do I mean, think because the criticism it, is valid. Well, because I, I, I don't think that you change the way that you play football just based on, on a risk, right? Like Jalen oh, Waddle has we, returned we, every kick for three years. But, but we, yes, but he wasn't the player he was every all three years. Last year, he was just another receiver. You wouldn't have had Judy back there last year because his value was too great to the team. You wouldn't have had Rugs back there because his value is too. So you put Waddle back there because Waddle was three out of the big three. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, guess that's the I, difference. Is it, it, and I, I a hundred percent think you change the way you play football. When 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 you're up by eighty on somebody, you don't still have all your starters in because there's a risk there. Well, I agree, but this is the the opening kick of the game. Like it, I, I, I get that, I'm but it's the you. opening kick of a game that you're a twenty point favorite over, and you're probably going to beat the hell out of. You're in no danger of losing this game. Now you get into the second quarter, and this thing is fourteen fourteen, and then then I think okay, now we're putting him back there. We're gonna take a shot at doing something explosive. I understand it, but I'm not I just starting the game off with with all of my bullets. Right at the beginning, taking all the risk. I, I understand the criticism. I, yeah, okay, I can I, I can get with you on understanding the criticism. I look at it this way: like a field position is a massive, massive part of this game. So, putting your best player back there, or one of them anyway, um, I, I think is a completely justifiable uh, uh, 
thing that you would do. Like when it, you say that 90% of the time you're just going to fair catch the ball and not bring it out, field position's not. You're getting the ball in the 25. You got to go 75 yards, Gary. That's just not true. You you don't believe – yeah, but he's a game-breaker that can absolutely break one of these. Now, should he have brought it out when it was that deep in the end zone? Eh, probably not. But, you know – All right, let me ask you this. How many of them has he broken so far? Because y'all have played a lot of games so far. Uh, I mean, a few. Because he hasn't scored like, any yet. Not not a ton. But, uh, okay. But it also changes the way that people kick to him as well. Right, so it, it no, they don't. In a kickoff, they're just kicking it out of bounds. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about punts as well. But we're right? not because talking it, about punts. We're talking about the opening kickoff of the game. A punt is completely different because they could be punting from their own five yard line, and so he's going to catch the ball at the fifty, and then he can score. Like that's a that's a completely different conversation. Uh, let me pull up stats. Let me see. Um, as far as kick returns go. Let's see. And I don't see... I mean, it feels like pretty much everything has been a touchback so far. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Returning... He, listen, just like Dak Prescott took a calculated risk on betting on himself and not signing the long-term contract and not taking the money that was offered to him, he, he took a gamble and he lost. Yeah. Waddle took a gamble and taking the ball out, and he lost. He had that's it. It's not. Four. It's not. He didn't do anything wrong. The team. If you want to coach that way and you want to be ultra aggressive and also, I understand it. I get it. I would be more cautious against teams that I know that I'm probably going to be. I would wait until I'm in a situation to where I actually think I need to use these bullets before I just start a game using all the bullets I have. Uh, he that's had, all. I know that I'm superior to them. Four, uh, four kickoff returns this year for 39 yards. Um, he had two punt returns for 13 yards. Everybody's been kicking away from him. Um, 2019, so last year, he had... But I don't care about last year, Gary. Well, I'm just talking about his it, it, the, the stats that he has had thus far. He only had five kickoff returns last year because typically everything is... is Throughout beat, the end zone. Right? Yeah, so five you attempts it out of the last year. In the end zone, you take it at the 25. You only have to go 75 yards. Once they moved it to 25 instead of 20, everybody just takes the takes the point. They just take the yards. Uh, last year, he had five kickoff returns for 175 yards and one touchdown. Uh, he okay. had 20 punt returns for 487 yards and one touchdown. So um, so he he's a game-breaker and whatnot. It sucks that he is not going to be out there, and this is going to change the way that Alabama's offense is played going forward. This could somewhat change uh, the result of the Alabama-Georgia game in the SEC championship game, if that is indeed the matchup. So we'll see, uh, because the guy that comes in behind him is a guy named Slade Bolden. He is not the game-breaker that he, he's more of a possession receiver guy. He, he's a do-it-all guy, utility knife. You know, um, He can run wildcat. They, they call it the Slade cat. Uh, it's, it just changes the way that the game is going to be called. I'm curious to see going forward what this is going to look like. Uh, obviously, they were still able to dominate this game. They still had deep passes. They still, you know, all that kind of stuff. You won't notice a massive difference. But the way that the game is called will be completely different. Uh, moving on from there, let's talk about... It. Now, you're, you're going to hate this. You're absolutely going to hate this. Auburn benefits off of a botched call for the third time this season. They beat Ole Miss. Uh, there have been massive, massive calls go their way that uh, really should not have gone their way. Uh, three times this year, all three 
ended in wins. And Ole Miss was up 28-27 to on the kickoff after Ole Miss scored with about five minutes left in the game. The ball appeared to hit uh, Shivers. Like, hit his... It didn't appear it, to hit him. It did hit him. It hit him. It hit his pinky. And it, it went to the end zone. Ole Miss recovered the ball in the end zone. That's a touchdown. And they blew the whistle and said that it's a touchback, touchback. because it, it didn't, didn't touch him. him, and they didn't even go and review it. They so the uh, review people actually came out and said, because the booth was super, the people calling the game were super critical, because as soon as they did a replay, both of them immediately said, oh, that did hit him. Like, you can see it hit his hand. You see it hit him. You see his hand flinch, and you see the way the ball changes. Like, and and you, you can tell by the way that he turned around and started running yeah. after the ball. Well, okay, that's fine. But it, it's either neither here nor there. It's it's you know it hit him, and you didn't have to see it slow motion. You didn't have to see it super enhanced. As soon as they showed the replay in full speed where you were just watching the ball in him, you immediately see it hit him. All right? It's not, like, crazy hard to see that. The damning part of this is the booth review people actually, like, talked to the, I guess, the people calling the game and said, we reviewed it quickly. We didn't see anything, so we let it go. This is the problem I have with the fuckery that happened in this game right here. Okay, this is what I have a problem of. That was a kickoff after Ole Miss had just scored, correct? Yes. That's how that works. After every kickoff, you have watched football this year. What happens immediately after that? Uh, on TV, you're watching the game. What happens after the other team usually gets the ball as a touchback? What happens? I I have no idea what direction you're going with. I thought you were talking they, about commercials they, right after the score. They go they go to a commercial break. Well, they, they, they go to a commercial break. They, they, they stop to, the game. They go to a commercial break after every kickoff. They've done it this year. Well, no, no, every no, no, game no. I've watched. Hold on, hold on. It, it's not after the kickoff. It, it is it is before the kickoff. So they they as soon as the other team gets done scoring. They go to a commercial, a commercial, break. and then they come and back the and they kick off. Happens, and then they go to another commercial break after that. And I don't, I don't watch think today. So. Watch today on the NFL. Same, same thing. ESPN, Sun, CBS, Fox are all going to do it. They're going to go to two commercial breaks after every score. One might be short, but they're going to go to two after every score. All okay, right, I watch. And they and they ran these guys out there immediately, and they ran a play. And nobody took any seconds at all to rewatch this thing. And you don't have to see it. Like I said, you don't have to watch it superimposed and, and in super slow-mo. You just have to watch it, and you see it hit his hand. You just can't not see it with the HD technology that we have. And and I just thought, I that, that makes it an eight-point game. So let's say Auburn gets to kick off again, gets to touch back. And let's say Auburn goes down and still scores the same way they normally did, and they still get the two-point conversion. Now they've only tied the game. Ole Miss has a minute 30 left, and now all Ole Miss has to do is get in field goal range, which when Ole Miss was finally thrown into the end zone, they were already in field goal range. Yeah. Yeah. So you change the outcome. I'm not saying you guarantee Ole Miss a win. Worst-case scenario, Ole Miss goes to OT. Worst yeah. case scenario, they they get down, they miss the field goal. It's OT at least, but at least you give them a fighting chance to keep playing. You you virtually end the game by taking that away. Well, and that that's, because all Auburn needs is a field goal to win it. Worst case scenario, now yes. they didn't even have to get that touchdown in the in the thing. Auburn could have just kept running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, killed the clock. They've got an excellent field goal kicker, and they just need a field goal to win. Yes, what I I was. I was curious why 
Kiffin would not throw like the the cha- why they wouldn't challenge. They don't have a challenge flag. At, but they no they they can call a timeout and and request that they review it. Yes, but he knows he needs his timeouts. He can't wait for a timeout. He can't waste one of those timeouts. I mean, he that's, needed it. Yeah, that's true. I man, it's just such a, a strange. You shouldn't situation. have to put it on the coach. Yeah, I get agree with that. In uh, yes. college football, get the play right. You review every play. What was the purpose of quickly reviewing it if you weren't going to review it properly? You just half they they just said, well, we quickly reviewed it and we didn't see anything. Well, that means you you just openly told me you half-assed your job and we didn't see anything. Yeah. Like yeah. the time that that call was made to the time the other team got out there, you've got a good 45 seconds. There's no reason you can't watch that thing three times in slow-mo in 45 seconds is to it, blow down and say, stop the thing. Is it mind-blowing to you that this is a, just another example of a quick whistle in this spot that the refs have, have done for the same team? Like the, the short touchdown by Kentucky that they said was short, yep. Um, yep. The, the Arkansas, you know, backward pass, muff, whatever. Right. Um, yep. And now, and now this, and now this, and and it's not that that Auburn is being dominated in these games or anything like that. It's just that they are that close. Like and Auburn, Auburn could still like that Kentucky game that happened early in the game. Yeah, it was it was still. So it's not it was like that would have lost or won the game. We don't know the outcome. We just know that you took a touchdown away from Kentucky. Yeah. Okay. And the subsequent play ended up as a touchdown for Auburn. Like like it. We don't know how the game would have played out. I'm not saying Auburn guarantees loses those games. I'm not saying Auburn guarantee loses this game. I'm saying that to win this game is a hell of a lot harder. Ole Miss's defense is going to be playing a way different if they know they have to play tight on Auburn that drive because all Auburn needed was a field goal to win, and they got a hell of a field goal kicker. Okay, so they are playing press all day long. If they know all they have to do is keep Auburn out of the end zone, they're going to play a completely different defense. Yes. Yes. Like that's just that's well, just the truth. It, it you changes change the game. Yeah, you, you change, change the, game. the way you play. Yes, you are a hundred percent right. I'm about tired that. of seeing the stripes dictate the outcomes of these games by by massively taking away scores in close one score football games. Yes. Yes, I agree. I mean, it's it's frustrating. It's irritating. It it is what it is. Auburn moves two, three, and two, though. Let me Ole ask Miss you a question. At the end of the year, let's say Gus goes on and let's say he wins every game but the Alabama game, and let's say maybe the AM game. And you're the boosters, you're the fan bases, you know he openly probably should have lost three games that he that he that he that are going down as wins. How do you judge him? How do you grade him? Oh, they they already want him gone anyway. They, well, they don't they look at the. Want him no, gone, I know, but, but it's what, easy to say you want him gone right now because you see the fuckery. Let's say that they go on and roll off some W's, some legitimate W's, and they and they lose an A and M, and they lose Alabama, but they win all the rest. All right, like, so so let's, and let's let's say they legitimately kick the shit out of the other teams. Well, let's let's do a little uh, a little projecting here. They've got LSU coming up this weekend. They've got okay. at Mississippi State. They've okay. got Tennessee at okay. Alabama, and then A and M. And right. So let's say they beat those three teams in a row, and let's say they beat them two scores, and there's no weird shit that happens. All right. Let's say they definitively win those three games, and then they lose Bama and they lose A and M. Let's um, say that happens, and you're the fan base. Are you firing him or not? 
if if you're the fan base, uh, yes, I think I think they will. Especially Let's say beats A and M. Especially all right, if he beats A and M, that changes things because then you've that. only got three losses. I know that. That's you know? the problem. You're going to look at his record and say, well, he's only got three losses, and one of those is to Alabama. We we kind of talk, and the other one's to Georgia. Like those are two teams that are definitively big, better than us. So, you know, we we give them a quote unquote pass for those things. I I'm just trying to figure out do these things actually help Auburn or hurt Auburn? Because as a fan, you know, they, the refs openly affected the outcome of the game. And now you have to make a coaching decision based off of that. So it, it, a lot of this is going to depend on whether or not they want to uh, pay the the 20 some odd million dollars that is left on his buyout. Right. Uh, If if you've got to include this year though, uh yeah no even yeah, with this season you can't count this year's salary he's coaching this no year. I'm saying I'm saying I'm saying after this season like it, it would not include this it's still twenty million after okay this that season. was that's why I asked yeah. does that include this year it's a twenty million dollars part of this year's salary it it is it will still so it's like if they were to fire him right this second no I'm not no um, a second what are they going to owe him if they fire him after January or December or whatever like twenty twenty one million okay. That's that's what I'm trying to figure out. When people say it's 21 million, but most people are counting this year's salary with part of that 21 million, then then you got to take this year off of it. You just have to. Yeah, it's it, like you got to take this six or seven million off because he's worked this year, regardless of if he's been good or not. He's working and coaching this year. Yes. So yes, what yes. are you paying him to sit at home? Uh, you would be paying him over 20 million dollars to sit at home. I, okay, yeah. I didn't. I thought I thought the twenty one million counted this year. No, 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 no. That's that's what I was saying. Is there's still uh, what four years left on this deal? It was done after the twenty seventeen season, so it was twenty eighteen, nineteen, twenty, uh, twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, and and then twenty four. It was a seven year deal. So, uh, you know, I mean, that's it's still a lot. It's still a whole lot. Like, if, if they had fired him after 2018, they would have owed him over $35 million. Like, that's... Well, yeah, but you can't fire him after 2018. Yeah, and they, they gave him the contract after 2017. He yeah, because he's, 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 yeah. he's on the one-year deal then. You can't do that. But uh, but if they had fired him after 2018, which there was rumblings about it. I mean, they, they did not like the way that things went that year. Uh, last year, he went 9-3, and three, but it, it felt weird because they didn't dominate really very many games at all. Um, and they got, they got a little, to, that, hang on. That, that's when I tell Auburn fans to shut the hell up. Okay. I mean, that's when I've literally told McKinnon, shut the hell up. Like you're nine and three and you just beat your biggest rival and you, and you, and you just knock them out of any type of playoff contention, any type of major bowl contention or anything. You're, you're going to have Alabama go a whole season and they didn't have a win against the ranked team. Thanks. Like, like, you need to get over yourself after last year. Oh yeah, now, last year was a good year for them. Um, and if they look, if they go seven and three, regardless of how they got there, uh, at seven and three this season would be unbelievable. I know. That's what's gonna. That's what's gonna bother me is because that's not a real seven and three. We know that. Yeah, I think. I think they we would know probably that the Arkansas game is definitively a loss. We know that one. Ole Miss, Kentucky. Still, they had to do a. They would have had to have done a lot to beat Ole Miss, Kentucky. Yeah. That happened real early in the game. It was like the second quarter. Yeah, it so was at the end of the first Im- half. Yeah, it's impossible to tell how that would have outcome the game. Yeah, no, you're you're right about that. Uh, as far as stats go for that game, we didn't talk a 
single thing of these uh, stats. Matt Corral was 16 out of 27, passing for 154 yards, one touchdown, and then the uh, the interception bird showed back up. He had two picks. Uh, he did run the ball well, 10 carries, 88 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, overall, Ole Miss ran the football pretty well. Uh, this this zone blocking scheme that they run, man, like they can run on anybody. 51 yep. carries, 283 yards, 5.5 yards per carry with three touchdowns. Um, and, it, you know, it's it's just a different way of, of doing offense. Uh, Auburn ran the ball 47 times, 224 yards, had 4.8 yards per carry with four touchdowns. They didn't ask Bo Nix to do too much, uh, but his, his passing numbers were good. 23 yep. out of 30, 238 yards, averaged 7.9 per pass, had one touchdown passing, no picks. Uh, Ole Miss had no fumbles, and Auburn had no fumbles. So, you know, it, it, it was a fairly clean game for the most part. Ole Miss, like, had a chance to to kind of take this thing over early, and Matt Corral threw a pick into the end zone. And, you know, it, from there, it, it's just a back-and-forth game that, that ends. Basically, uh, when, when you leave it in the hands of the referees, uh, that, that isn't always going to turn out your way. So, uh, moving on, let's talk about the AAC, and, and we'll have to roll through uh, the rest of these fairly quickly. Cincinnati might be set up for a playoff run. I, I know that sounds a little crazy, and I'm, I'm maybe jumping the horse a little bit, but when you get a dominant win like that over an undefeated team, it, it kind of resets expectations because Cincinnati still has some really, really big games left. They need Memphis to win out. They need UCF to keep winning. Yes. Yes, they need they both do. those teams to win out until they play them. Uh, Cincy's <laughs> schedule, so a 42-13 win over SMU. Cincinnati's schedule, they've got Memphis, Houston, East Carolina, at UCF, at Temple, at Tulsa. Uh, Tulsa also looks pretty good. They, they've got good teams left on their schedule. Uh, Army, you know, that's another win over a ranked team. They, they are going to need more ranked wins going forward, and they need to be dominant. And they have been thus far. Like, there's not been a single game that they have won by less than two touchdowns. And and they need that to continue. They, I, I don't want to say they dominated this football game because it wasn't quite like that. It was 14-10 to 10 at the half. But then after halftime, it was all Cincinnati. And SMU could not do anything on them. This is what happens when speed plays power. Yeah. Is, is it takes a minute. They wear you down. They lay on you. They lay on you. They lay on you. And at some point in time, the dam burst. And speed can't be fast anymore because they're tired and they're sore. And power just stays strong. And they just, it just keeps, then they can do whatever they want to you. Shane Bichelle for SMU, 23 out of 44 passing, 216 yards. It was 4.9 yards per pass. That is uh, very, very little. One touchdown, one pick. Uh, as far as rushing goes, SMU has had a lot of success running the football this year. Not in this game. Thirty-nine this carries, game, baby. Yeah, 39 carries, 75 yards. That's an average of 1.9 per carry. Had no touchdowns. The longest run of the game was Ulysses Bentley uh, had a run of 13 yards, and that's it. So if you, if you take away that one 13-yard run, uh, you're looking at 38 carries for uh, 62 yards. I mean, it's I, just— I, Listen, I don't get a lot right this year, all right? Cincinnati is real. Cincinnati is good. Yes. You, you don't want no part of this football team. Oh, on, on the other side, Cincinnati, 35 carries, 313 yards, averaged 8.9 yards per carry with five touchdowns. That's I mean, power football. They dominated. That's football. power football. Yes. What I say, this game was going to be one in the trenches, and it wasn't going to be close. Yeah. Uh, the craziest part about it, if you look at those stats, uh, you would think, you know, man, Cincinnati must have had the football the whole ball game. Nope. 
Nope, nope. 27 nope. minutes for Cincinnati to uh, 32 minutes, when 45 you, seconds. When you can beat people up like that, you're running 13 to 14 yards a clip, which means time just doesn't – you're not running four yards and, and you know, three three times it's a first down. This is a first down every time you touch it, 13, 14 yards every time you touch the ball, and you just get five of those, six of those, and it, you're in the end zone. Yes, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Moving on from there, we'll move to the Big Ten, or sorry, the Big 12 now. Uh, the Fighting Gundies take down the Iowa State Cyclones. This was not a super entertaining ball game. Uh, and, of course, Iowa State scores with less than a minute left to, uh, to, to clip me by the half point, of course, which was about par for my day yesterday. I, uh, I had Oklahoma State minus three and a half. Now, as far as my personal bets go, I, I put quite a bit on them at minus two and a half yesterday morning. So I ended up all right. But but as far as, you know, my, my official picks for Sportsbook Review, uh, that, that did not help things at all. Brock Purdy, 19 out of 34, 162 yards, one touchdown, one pick, averaged only 4.8 yards per pass. That is not good. Uh, however, man, Brees Hall... 20 carries for 185 yards. He had a long of 70. Uh, he he was fairly dominant. Uh, Brock Purdy had 12 carries for 38 yards, and those are the only two guys that really ran. Uh, Kinane Naganwe, uh had one carry for four yards, and that was it. So they had two rushing touchdowns, Iowa State did, but they were not able to do a whole lot with the football all day long. It was good to see Spencer Sanders back for Oklahoma State, 20 out of 29 passing, 235 with uh, one touchdown, had two picks, not good. I uh, feel like they probably could have covered had he not thrown those two picks. But uh, but he also had a touchdown rushing. He had 15 carries for 71 yards. Chuba Hubbard looks like himself again. 25 carries, 139 yards, one touchdown. This was um, Oklahoma State. I think is the best team in the Big 12. Like I I think they kind of secured that. I think we can I think we can safely say that. And so now obviously they they still got to deal with Kansas State and whatnot, but. A lot of football left in the Big 12, uh, but it looks like Oklahoma State is is a legit top 10 team right now. And uh, so long as they don't have their guys get hurt, I mean, that that three-headed monster of Sanders, Hubbard, and Tylen Wallace, uh, they are good. legit. They are really, really good. defensively, they're the best team yes. in the Big 12. Uh, they that, that Jim Knowles defense Golly, that I've been talking man. about for three years, it finally looks... But for three years, he hadn't been crap. No, no, but it, it took a while to get them acclimated to this and, and get the right guys in his get system. Talent. And, get talent. Build yeah, defensive talent. And yeah. Once they got that, man, it, it was it was all rockets go. Let's roll. Uh, let's talk. Let's see. Number seven on the list here. I've got two Big Ten games that I wanted to hit that are not massive games, but kind of a big deal, I guess you could say. And first one, Rutgers gets a massive, massive win. They absolutely lay the wood to Michigan State. They won 38 to 27. Now, it, that doesn't sound like a lay the wood to oh, somebody's score. They beat the hell out of them. Yes, they did. Uh, Greg Schiano, you know, what, what What does this look like for Tennessee fans? What does this look like for uh, for Rutgers, for Michigan State? Like, uh, this if, this was crazy. Schiano turns Rutgers back into what Rutgers was before he left. Tennessee fan, and Jeremy Purit continues to be the yo yo that he is, which is 
you know, beat the bad teams, can't beat Alabama, Florida, and Georgia. And then sometimes they, it doesn't show up against uh, against Kentucky. T- that's right. right. <laughs> Tennessee Tennessee fans are going to look like morons. They're all going to look like morons. And it's, I kind of can't wait to see that happen. Shiano is – it's so I, I personally – it thought that Tennessee should be able to do better. I did not think that Jeremy Pruitt was going to be better than Chiano, uh, but that's because I thought Mike Leach would have been a better option for them. But at, this is neither here nor there. I think that Chiano is uh, a legit coach that can get a team organized, yep. that even when he has less talent, his teams don't really make mistakes. Right, so and and this is taking out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? Just to forget well, that yeah, whole the, thing. Because the pros different. are completely different yeah. than college; they just are. But in college, uh, you know, it's not like they have some massive player for Rutgers. That it's nobody that took over the game, anything like that. It is, hey, we're going to do what we do, and we're going to wait for the other team to make a mistake. And you knew that Michigan State was going to make mistakes. Uh, Rocky Lombardi for Michigan State: thirty-one out of forty-three, three hundred nineteen yards passing. He had three touchdowns. He also had two interceptions that were very costly. Uh, Michigan State also had, uh, let's see, they lost five fumbles in this game. Now, Rutgers lost two fumbles, but when you recover five of them and you only give up two, uh, that's a plus three margin there. Now, so, now we got to be careful. Rutgers has a very long road ahead of them. Oh, yes, you yes, don't, yes. You don't get to play Michigan State every day. This is true. Now, thankfully, they do get to play Maryland at some point in time. So so they'll at least get two wins, I believe. They uh, So Rutgers had not won a Big Ten game since 2016. Yep. And and they snapped that streak in the first game. First and, game. And, yeah, we, we knew Michigan State was going to have problems because, you know, new coaching staff, they didn't even get spring Michigan practice. Michigan State was still and, like an 11-point favorite, though. Yes, they were, and it was insane. Like, it, they opened up as like a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. And, yeah. and people caught on and said, oh, whoa, 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 this is <laughs> – like, I think these teams are more equal than uh, than than maybe the, the books are thinking. So That's Rutgers right. gets that massive win. The other one I wanted to talk about – uh, was not the, I guess, the closest game of the day, which was Iowa-Purdue, um, which, and, and eventually we will talk about that one. But Maryland and Northwestern, uh, we, now, we talked about the chicanery, right, with the sports books, and the fact that Northwestern was an 11-point favorite, even though all of the tickets were coming in on Maryland. That's because right. Because Northwestern was really bad last year. That's right. This, guy, this line opened at Northwestern minus 7.5 or 8. And a hundred percent of the action was on Maryland, and the line went to Northwestern minus eleven. And I thought, I'll I'll lay the eleven. The books, the house has picked a side. Yes, and these, and it these makes sports sense. books definitively drew a line in the sand, and they said, "We want this team. We are betting on this team. Please, y'all take all the action you want on on Maryland." And I said, "Uh, I'll I'll go with the house, please." Check. Yes, a hundred percent. Uh. Talia Tangavaloa, fourteen out of twenty-five, ninety-four yards, three touch or three interceptions. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, I was about to say. Um, Lance Legendry had four completions out of four attempts. Uh, pretty good, hundred percent, not bad. Had forty-nine yards, but that was late. Uh, Maryland could not run the football. Twenty carries for sixty-four yards, three point two yards per carry. They did not score a touchdown in the game. They lost forty-three to three at Northwestern. Peyton Ramsey, twenty-three out of thirty, two hundred twelve yards, one touchdown. Northwestern ran the football insanely well. 53 carries, 325 yards, four touchdowns. I had this pulled up on an iPad last night and uh, was very impressed with the yeah. with the scheme that oh, Northwestern was it. running. The offensive line looks good. Yep. This is what happens when you hire 
a competent offensive coordinator. That's right. It, this That's was right. not just because they got a new quarterback. This was not any any change like that. This was uh, what, what's the Excuse guy's me. name? Mike Bajakian. Bajakian, uh, maybe Be- I don't know. I, I, now, you're always going to be a million times better at pronouncing enunciations than me. He is. Um, he he completely changed what they do on offense. He changed their blocking schemes. He changed everything that they do. But here's the beautiful thing. They still get to make Pat happy because Pat wants to run the football. Yes. He wants to be a power team. And and he was so afraid of going to this big spread offense because he just thought all these guys throw the ball. And he didn't want to do that. And and people are realizing a lot of these spread offenses really do run the football a ton. The Art Brow system at Baylor was everyone assumed they put up 50 points a game, 60 points a game. Well, they just throw it all over the field. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. They ran it like 65% of the time. Like, oh, what Ole Miss is doing right now in that same offensive scheme. What Arkansas is doing right now in that same offensive scheme. What Gus Malzahn does in that same offensive scheme. These guys run the football all the time, and it's really fun to watch. Because it's different kind of running than power. My Cincinnati power, yeah. we're just going to run it right off guard. And it is, yeah, it's you. not eye formation. You're not running between no, the tackles. It is scheming these things up, and it's a lot of fun. Yes. Now, you got to have offensive linemen that are not just big and strong. They have to be athletic. And it it's not always really easy to go from a power run team to a spread run team. And the fact that Northwestern has done it and kind of done it on the fly. Once again, trying to not get too out in front of my skis here because there is a world in which Maryland's defense might be the worst defense in the league, in the country, not just the Big Ten, in the country. It might be. That that world could exist. I need a few more games, and I'm just going to enjoy it right now. I love Northwestern. Love Northwestern. They can score, baby. Yes. Yes, they can, and I, I can't wait. Uh, I'm, defense I'm very, is still just as mauling oh, yes. as they've always been. I'm uh, As they've always been. Outside of Ohio State, Michigan, they're in the conversation of defense with Ohio State, Michigan, and Wisconsin. People in the Big yes. Ten need to recognize this. They, they're in that same conversation as we might be the best defense in the Big Ten. We're in the conversation. Yes, uh, 100% yes, you are correct about that. Um Let's uh let's go ahead and move on. Let's talk some SEC right quick. Now I know that we talked quite a bit earlier, but uh but let's go ahead and talk about your LSU Bayou Bengals. It, so we talked a little bit about matchups, and sometimes there's just bad matchups and whatnot. LSU has an incredibly young secondary. They you you can scheme against them against their secondary, right? They easily. they can't cover Very the middle easily. of the field. They can't cover the outside. It, you can run deep on them. You can do all kinds of stuff on them. If you do not have the capabilities of big play wide receivers, then you are going to have trouble with LSU. LSU quarterback that's not really accurate. Okay, last night guys were running wide ass open. Those receivers were wide ass open, and they just got missed by two or three yards. And yeah. and I was very grateful of that. Yes, that uh that tends to happen. Now Kevin Harris, running back for South Carolina, twelve carries, hundred twenty six yards, uh, averaged ten point five yards per carry, had two touchdowns, but it was not near enough. Because I said this in our preview. I have no idea why Muschamp got. I know they were down, but when you're getting ten yards a run, you're not. You could still run the football yes. just because you're down two touchdowns doesn't mean anything. Keep running the ball. What the, I, I, these guys are morons. 
Well, I'll say this. It, it's not like I they had a ton of I was loving the fact that they got away from the run. Let's just say that. Yes, I yes. was not upset at all every time I saw them drop back and throw the football. Colin Hill scared nearly as bad. Colin Hill, 12 out of 22 passing, 234 yards. That's 10.6 yards per pass. So that's not terrible. But one touchdown, one interception. Uh, obviously, 12 out of 22, not a good percentage. You know, it, it is what it is. It, it's better than 50%, but not by much. Not by much. So... So LSU, I think, so long as they are not playing against somebody that can routinely hit uh, those deep passes, they're, they're going to be, they, they should be able to win almost every game. Like, I don't think, I think LSU beats Auburn this weekend. Like, okay. I, I don't, that I don't think it's a question. because Auburn's not going to hit those deep passes. Exactly. But they're not going to beat A&M. They're not going to beat Ole Miss. Like, but, but remember. What you a, just described is almost the rest of the SEC not named Auburn. But no, no, no. So, so there's Alabama. Like we should right? be able to beat t- Tennessee. Like, okay. All right. Hold on. At Arkansas, I think. That I scares think you, the shit out of me. It shouldn't because they, they are not a deep threat kind of team. Uh, yeah, A&M but, has lost, like, their their biggest deep play receiver was, uh, was Chase. Uh, God, his name escapes me right now. But either way, he he got hurt at the end of the Florida game. So I'm, he's I'm gone. I'm just telling you, they're going to replace that guy now, with somebody else. These guys have five stars. A&M's got five stars all over the field. Now, what what you got to what you got to be terrified of is Alabama, Ole Miss and Florida. Well, yeah. Like those are well, well, yes. those are going to be rough. But the other games like Auburn this week, I think Arkansas and I I think A&M I think LSU it can 100% be in those games and I I think they well, I think they kind of dominate Auburn this weekend. So, but we'll I see. Know, I don't know if we're going to dominate anybody. I mean, we'll see. Uh, Auburn's t- had a run game where if Gus is not a moron, he'll just run it down our throats because we're not stopping Tank. Uh, you might. I mean, uh, we'll see. Here's what drives me nuts about my football team. Go ahead. This is what drives me insane about my team. All right. So much of our stopping the run, they ran the ball. They didn't run the ball between the tackles at all. All right. Our defensive line is doing a good job. Our edge rushers give up the outside immediately just just immediately we take every bad angle and we jump inside as quickly as well, that's, we can that's what i was going to say i i feel and like they pisses uh, me the hell off they're super like, aggressive just contain the outside edge man because every one of these 12 and 13 yard runs or 40 yard runs is because the guy's getting around the corner so easily well yeah because they're pushing him into the inside we're not even helping the linebackers at all no the lsu defenders the the lsu defenders are 100 percent running themselves out of plays out of the place immediately i mean mean, immediately the ball is snapped and they jump inside in that whole outside edge you can run 14 yards before anybody can even get to you yeah and that's if they don't get blocked but now the blockers have a hell of a shot because they can get out in open space, and you got to come to them. Oh yeah, I mean, you're, we're we're bringing them out into Muhammad. Yes, like we're not, we're not even trying. It, it's insane. That's, but that's the only listen. I've watched every one of our games. Everybody who's ran the ball has ran the ball outside of us easily. That should be something you should be able to fix pretty damn quickly. Why they haven't been able to fix that? I don't understand. I can't wrap my brain around. Don't give up the damn edge. Play contained, please. Just one time, play contained. Wait, dude, it's it's young guys. Like it's. It doesn't contained. matter how young you are. By game six, you should not be making the same mistakes you made in game one. I okay, I can't argue with that. And two, and three, can't and four. Argue with that. Uh, it, so Southern, uh, Southern, uh, South Carolina did have twenty nine carries for one hundred sixty nine yards, five point eight yards per carry on average. Uh, and that includes the sacks of Colin Hill. Yeah, Deshaun, yeah take those off because our front seven, we found a defense for passing the football. It just put the quarterback on their ass. 
Deshaun Fenwick had seven carries, 49 yards, and I already talked about Kevin Harris, uh, averaging 10.5 yards per carry. He had two touchdowns on the day. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, uh, South Carolina ran 51 plays, and that's it. And and you just, you're not going to be able to do that. I mean, LSU had more rushes than that. I mean, yes. it's like, and, and Southern, uh, Southern, uh, God, I keep calling them that. Uh, South Carolina is is known for that. They, they're just not going to get a lot of plays in a game, and you can't do that against a high-powered offense like LSU. Like it's just no, not we're still, I would say we're going to struggle with Alabama. We're going to struggle with Ole Miss. We're going to struggle with Florida to stop them. I, I believe we can score on anybody. I do agree with that. TJ and, Finley, and by I the think way. You texted me last night and said, it really sucks, but uh, 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 what's his name's not coming back, and, and you're 100% right. Miles this Brennan. Is, yeah. Miles Brennan, sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, Miles Brennan. I'm, I'm, his name escaped me. Uh, fin, this is Finley's job for the rest of his life. TJ Finley, 17 out of 21, passing 265 yards, two touchdowns. He had one ill-advised pick. Um, it he's, is a, he's a true freshman. It's his yeah. first start. And I'll tell you this, that ill-advised pick, South Carolina's secondary is real good. The, the mistake was not how bad the pass was. Yeah. The mistake was we got to quit throwing at that guy because everybody else is open. That dude is a monster, and you just got to know sometimes you just don't go left or don't go What You find 24, and you just don't throw his way. That's just – it's yeah. it's not that complicated. Um, the guy's name is Israel Mukuamua. Or yes, Mukuamua. I was not going to try yeah. to pronounce it because it was going to come across as uneducated <laughs> it, as a person could possibly hey, sound. I'm I ain't even I, I'm not worried but about that. But that guy, no, you do a really good <laughs> job at that. That guy's played on Sundays. He's real good. That dude's an athlete. Um, hey, the other side of this, by the way, LSU's rushing attack. Uh, yeah. First game this season that they have looked kind of dominant. That that offensive line, and this is against a pretty good front seven too. Yeah, um, they that offensive line I think had two weeks of just Coach O getting in that ass. Uh, yeah, I, I could I could see that. Tyrion Davis Price twenty two. Because they carries. didn't all of a sudden get bigger and stronger and faster in two weeks. That no. that's just a that's just fourteen days of getting cussed out. Tyrion Davis Price twenty two carries hundred thirty five yards. That's six point one per carry. Had one touchdown. John Emery, 18 carries, 88 yards. That's nearly five yards a carry, one touchdown. T.J. Finley, you know, the quarterback we just talked about, eight carries, That's 24 yards with one touchdown. So so he, yeah. he had a run at the goal line that he got tackled on, and his helmet looked like it was barely on his head, and it comes off. And I'm thinking, this is that was a first-down run. We're about to go into a second-down situation on the goal line, and now we have to bring in another true freshman quarterback to run this one damn play. And all I kept seeing was this, and this was our first drive of the game. This is our first score opportunity of the game. And I thought, well, this is how this game gets ugly right here. And thankfully, he just handed the ball off. I don't remember if the guy scored on that play or if we score on the next play, but it was it. he didn't score. He got tackled, but he got like half a yard or whatever. It went negative. And I just thought, all right. There was no Get fumble. Damn helmet on your head. Yeah. Let's let's strap these things up. I know helmets are made so different now. I played football, maybe uh, no, it was longer than twenty years ago. Holy shit, I'm old. Um, over twenty years ago, since I put a real football helmet on, I know they're made completely different now. I remember like them being hard to get on and off, and it looks like a gust of wind can take these damn helmets off now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, now, it's I really think there's insane. some safety to that. I think it's the way cars used to be tanks, and then we realized, no, 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 the fact that it crumples is a lot safer. And so when, when the car wreck happens, you want it to crumple and crinkle, crinkle like that. I'm sure there's a lot of physics involved that I don't understand that says, no, that's a lot safer is making it loose and easy and whatever. But 
it drives me insane when these helmets come off. That guy didn't even get touched. Like he got tackled on the legs and fell down. And when he fell down and just like rolled, like the helmet just popped off. Like if I was wearing a hat. Yeah. Oh, it's it's like, Oh, Oh, we're going to bring in another true freshman that wasn't expecting to start. We're on the goal line. We're having a hard time scoring in the red zone. Hey, with Finley, we're not we're not having problems in the red zone anymore because you no. if you're if you're third and short, fourth and short, that guy's getting two three yards and you can't stop him. He's he is a linebacker, six six two forty three, and he's the real deal. Night, I was texting. I'm gonna I'm gonna homage about my guy one more time, and then we can move on. I know we're going <laughs> so last night he throws where we're eating them up is is slants across the middle, which are crazy timing plays your accuracy has to be insanely on because you're throwing it and you've got one guy in the middle of the field and they got three and if you're behind him it's a pick if you're over him it's a pick if you're under him it's probably just going to be an interception if you're too far out in front of him it's a pick like the the accuracy mistake fares are our variances is just so small in that window and he was throwing lasers just complete frozen ropes i don't even know how receivers catch these i know the gloves are super sticky and the balls are super sticky now but i mean he was lasering the football and so i'm, I'm texting a buddy of mine he said you got to be feeling good right now and it's middle of the third quarter we're kicking their ass and i said yeah i'm finally feeling good about a game i'm enjoying this one and i was like dude this guy has a laser i haven't seen I, joe burrow didn't have a laser like this now joe is just stupid accurate and the best quarterback i've ever seen play college football but I said, I've never seen this. And that very next play is when he throws the pick. And I was like, son of a bitch. I'm never saying anything good about my team again. I swear to God, I'm cursed. I'm all upset. And I'm all mad. We got to stop. We, we, we turned it back around, whatever. And he was just like, you can calm down now. It's okay to, he's, he's a true freshman. Like he's going to make mistakes. It's all right. <laughs> but he, he's got a cannon, man. He most certainly does. He has got a cannon on him. Uh, next game in the SEC, I wanted to, to hit on Missouri. Uh, twenty to ten over Kentucky. Now we we kind of saw this a little bit. We talked about the idea that maybe this is a a bad sandwich spot for Kentucky. I don't think it was a bad sandwich spot. I think Kentucky cannot move the football. Period on anybody. And if they get up against a team that is not going to give them points or short fields, they are not going to be able to move the football. Terry Wilson, three out of nine passing, thirty five yards, one touchdown. That's a QBR of four, like 4.0. That's awful. Joey Gatewood came in, one out of four passing, 12 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, 10.5 QBR. On the other side of this, 23 carries rushing for 98 yards. That's 4.3. The only touchdown that they had was a Terry Wilson pass to Josh Ali. It was 26 yards, one touchdown. Uh, that they, they could do nothing. They could do nothing. They got no, um, they got no turnovers from Missouri. Uh, Missouri was able to run the football on them, which is kind of crazy. Like it, it's not like Larry Roundtree had like some massive average, but routinely they were able to run the football on Kentucky. Now, why more teams don't do this, I have no idea. Larry Roundtree, thirty-seven carries, one hundred twenty-six yards, two touchdowns. Tyler Batty had thirteen carries, fifty-two yards. Connor Bazelik, the quarterback, ten carries, forty yards on him. So a total of 62 rushes in this game for Missouri for 220 yards. Missouri ran 92 plays to only 36 for Kentucky. So this game, 
because because I'm a I'm a complete sociopath and I only see the world through my eyes. It this this game made me feel so much better about my game against Missouri. It oh, just yeah. did. The fact that I know Kentucky is a really good run team. I know they are. And Kentucky couldn't run it on them. I was like, oh, okay. So when we had a yard of rushing going into halftime, made me feel pretty normal. All right. Well, this and I told you before the season started. I said, I, I don't know, think I Missouri know, is that bad. And then the fact that Missouri ran it down their throat, I know Kentucky has a good rush defense. I know they do. I've watched them do it all year long. They're a really good run stopping football team. And we couldn't stop Missouri at all. They couldn't stop Missouri at all. This is the fact that I know I'm a three, but hanging around with other twos and threes makes me have a little self-confidence. And and this this all, I, I only had interest in this game by watching the box score and seeing, all right, we're not as bad as I thought. We're kicking the shit out of somebody, and the team that I was embarrassed about getting the shit kicked out of us is kicking the shit out of somebody that I think is a pretty good football team. So maybe it's not really as bad as I thought it was. No, I think uh, I think you're now, right. the A&M stuff hurts. The A&M stuff, I mean, not the A&M. The Mississippi State stuff is is really, really getting a little salty as bad as they're playing, as good as they looked against us. That I need I need Mississippi State to kick the shit out of somebody real quick. Yes, I can I can for sure understand that. Let's uh let's move into the Big Ten now, and you know this is it, it, this isn't one that normally we would talk about, but it is you know one of the top three teams. Uh, we so I'll mention Wisconsin destroyed Illinois on Friday night, forty five to seven. That wasn't even close. It looks like they've actually got a quarterback now, Graham Mertz. Hey, look, they do. You know what? I, I was over my skis when when talking about Michigan. Wisconsin does look really that good. Yeah, they really do. I mean, they it, Graham Mertz twenty out of twenty one, and the the one incompletion was a drop. Uh, yep. two hundred forty eight yards passing, five touchdowns. Like Wisconsin is going to be something to mess with. Like, they look absolutely legit right now. But the game that I wanted to hit on was Ohio State and Nebraska. So, Justin Fields, 20 out of 21 passing, 276 yards, two touchdowns, uh, almost same box score as Graham Mertz. I mean, it was just, you know, same same total thing. Ohio State, you know, nobody really dominated running the football for them, uh, but they did have 48 carries, 215 yards, averaged four and a half yards per carry, uh, four touchdowns rushing, you know, Justin Fields, like I said, had two touchdowns passing. They they pretty much dominated this game, I guess you could say. Uh, Jack Miller the third, the the quarterback that came in, had two carries, twenty three yards, with one touchdown. And the biggest story that came out of this game, one, you know, Nebraska covered the first half line, so whatever. But the the fact that Ryan Day felt like he needed to apologize. To Nebraska. Now, I understand he and Scott Frost have a good relationship right now because they both fought so hard to get football back for the season, and he, he didn't necessarily want to run it up, but he did have a young quarterback in there, and they just didn't have the... He said they didn't have the personnel on the field to take a knee, which is mind-blowing to me because how hard is it to take a knee? But why would you apologize for, for not taking a knee at the end of the ballgame? Like, just explain, no, hey... This you shouldn't. Is, he doesn't owe anybody an apology. He doesn't owe anybody no, anything. This is you're, the playoff system that they have created, and if you don't yep. want us to run it up, then you shouldn't have done this. No, but like, I'm even. I'm even not worried about that. My issue is, um, is 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 not even about that. It's you don't owe them an apology for the simple fact that um, they you're you're running backups in. If you're still got starters in. Then, then there's a level of you're being a dick, and this isn't pros, and you're kind of running it up and sticking it up somebody's crawl. But 
I'm okay with backups running plays. Like I want to know that my backups know how to run this offense because I don't know when I'm going to need them or not. All right. I need to know that these offensive linemen can run this blocking scheme. I need to know that this running back can break a tackle. I need to know that this quarterback can get the snap off and the handoff off without fumbling the football. Like I need them to get live bullet reps. And if you can't stop my backups, I know there's a level of embarrassment and I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I need to run these plays. And I also, there's a little bit of, you know, a a little bit of cocaine in your coffee gets the day going pretty good. I want these young players to get that taste of getting in the end zone of scoring. I want them to, to feel that drug go through their body because I want them to be fighting for that when it's their turn to play. Yes. Okay. And if they've never felt it, they don't know how precious that end zone is. They don't know how important that end zone is. And, and so as long as you're doing it with backups, I'm never going to fault a team for running it up. I'm just not. And you know how I feel about apologies. Nobody in the world ever needs to apologize to me for anything ever. Just don't do it again. Like just let's just try to be, I work under the impression that if you didn't do it on part, if you're willing to apologize for it, you've obviously either had a change of heart or you didn't mean to do it to begin with. So therefore I don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't hold it against you ever. And, and let's just all work to be better. And that's just the way I feel. So I think apologies are bullshit anyway. Um, and I don't say, I don't, cause I, I, I give them and I mean them when I give them. Yeah. Um, but if, if it's an apology and without, uh, w- without any merit, without like trying to fix the issue, then yeah, yeah then it's not worth, you know, the, the words that you even said is not worth the air you're breathing. Like, it's just, I, it's, I just don't dumb. think he should have apologized. I don't think he did anything wrong. That's my issue. That's, that's where I came from on this. I, I did not feel like he did anything wrong at all. Uh, so, you know, it, it, that, that was the only interesting thing that came out of that ball game because That's I right. think we all that kind of expected. That is the only interesting thing. And it's weird that people feel like they have to apologize for stuff. Yes, this like, is true. I find that to be strange. I agree. Moving on to the ACC, uh, we'll go on and, and give a couple of things. So, Syracuse kept it a little closer than expected against Clemson, and, and you and I both called that. I mean, that, that line was just absurd. Hold and, on now. Hold on. We didn't call this. Okay. We didn't call this. I mean, we didn't call a, a 26-point game, uh, but, th- I mean, it was definitely it, – it was, what, 20, 27 to 21? We thought Dabo wouldn't run it up. I don't care about the final score. We thought Dabo wouldn't run it up on him. We we in no way, shape, form, or fashion thought that, that this Syracuse would be in a the game. 21-27 ball game in the fourth late quarter. to the third quarter, going in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I, no, I, no, I agree with you. I agree. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. There were people out there that – joked on our closing line show yesterday that, you know, uh, 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 Syracuse money line, like, like a thousand to one, like put five bucks down, win five grand or something like that. I think, I think if you had a Syracuse money line ticket at 27, 21, you should be able to cash that ticket for half its value. <laughs> I might could get down with that. I, I think that's right. I think that's the only way that that's fair is because you had the stones to pick a dog that badly and they actually put a little bit of fear in that other team. So the the only reason that I that I say that they didn't run it up like it it was they they just didn't I don't feel like they took the game super seriously. And then when Syracuse got close and it was 27-21, when Clemson came out and scored, you know, three straight touchdowns after that and it was just, you know, it was it was done from there. So, you know, they it, they showed that they could run it up when they want to. 
but but they didn't want to. Like they they, they did not feel like embarrassing Dino Babers, and I think that's uh, that's a good thing. Uh, but that's what we called we called that right. We said yes. we don't think he's going to run it up on Dino Babers. No, absolutely not. Miami got a win over Virginia, nineteen to fourteen, and this uh, this game reeked. It smelled like it was awful. You know, <laughs> there's nothing good about this one. North Carolina, forty eight twenty one over NC State, and then Boston College got a massive win, forty eight to twenty seven over Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech still has got some issues. The the two games that I wanted to discuss, uh, Louisville, they got right in a big way over uh, Florida State. So both teams now sitting at two and four, one and four in the conference. Uh, Javian Hawkins for Louisville, sixteen carries, hundred seventy four yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Malik Cunningham, sixteen out of twenty four passing, two hundred seventy eight yards, two touchdowns. This was never a game, and this wasn't anything that that Florida State did. Like it wasn't a bunch of turnovers or anything like that. This was uh, Louisville had been run over so many times, and they got to come back home against a team that could not defend them. And you know, one step forward, two steps back for uh, for Florida State, right? No, oh, it broke my heart. I was so wrong on this game, and I kind of thought, and I said this either Tuesday or Sunday night. The only reason that Louisville can cover this game is if Satterfield is just. They've played so poorly the last two weeks in a row that Satterfield just spends the entire week just beating the hell out of these guys for how awful they've been, and they come out with their butthole on fire, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. No, you're uh, They you're look right like that. they haven't looked in a single game all year. Um, moving on from that, staying in the ACC, Wake Forest gets an upset win over number 19, Virginia Tech. Both teams are now 3-2. and two, uh, Both have two conference losses. Virginia Tech. Drove me insane this entire ball game. They won the yardage battle, 433 to 316. They had 223 yards passing to Wake Forest's 110. Uh, both teams had over 200 yards rushing. Uh, Virginia Tech actually averaged 4.9 yards per rush. Wake Forest only 4.2. But Virginia Tech, 10 penalties for 112 yards. Uh, Wake Forest only had 6 for 79. Virginia Tech had three turnovers. They missed, uh, what, three field goals? Is that right? I, I can't remember. Uh, I don't remember how many. I know that they missed several. They have several misses. Let's see. Uh, they had they missed two field goals. They all of the field goals were inside, like the the Wake Forest twenty eight. I think like they they were all in scoring position. They I, it just it drove me insane. I had the over on this game, and they were in scoring position, like very close to the red zone, so many times in interceptions and missed field goals. And, and even attempting field goals when you're that close, like, it just drove me nuts. Like, this was a weird, weird game, and I hated it. I hated everything about this game. So, uh, it's <laughs> yeah. just, I, I could not have been more wrong. I had over 69 in this game, and it finished with a total of 39 points. Ooh. Just ridiculous. Just a hair off. Oh, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And finally, we'll close on this. So this has been a longer-than-usual one. Um, let's talk about Notre Dame 45 and Pitt 3. Now, this what like what what I expected to happen is what happened, right? The Pittsburgh's defense slowed down Notre Dame's rushing attack, and Notre Dame had 50 carries for 115 yards rushing. That's 2.3 yards per carry. They had two touchdowns. However, Ian Book 16 out of 30 passing, 312 yards. That's 10.4 yards per pass. That is way way above average. Uh, had three touchdowns, no interceptions. Joey Yellen, the quarterback for Pittsburgh, who looked okay against Miami. Uh, 10 out of 27 passing, 101 yards, 3.7 yards per pass, three interceptions, no touchdowns. Um, 
I mean, this Pittsburgh's rushing attack, by the way, 20 carries, 44 yards, and they went away from it almost immediately. When they got down 21-3, to it felt like they didn't run the football a single time after that. It was just crazy. I don't uh, think they could, though. No, they, they couldn't. They couldn't. 20 carries, 44 yards, that's 2.2 yards per carry, and it, it was ugly. I mean, this thing... Uh, it's it's not because of uh, because of fumbles, you know. At Notre Dame, didn't give Pittsburgh the ball at all. Nope. Uh, Pittsburgh did not fumble, um, but they, I mean, three interceptions was massive. They pulled Yellen and actually put in Nick Patty, and he was two out of five passing for seventeen yards. And then they tossed in uh, Davis Bevel, um, and he's a uh, uh, it, it was a it was a trick play. They were they yeah. were trying anything. I mean, no. it was just yeah. ridiculous. So so, so here's here's my takeaway from this game. We thought the ACC has a a lot of weird muckery going on. Yes. Clemson's at the top. And then we thought there were three teams in the middle of that next tier, how we break the SEC down tiers. And we thought Miami, uh, Notre Dame, North Carolina. That's that's the middle tier. I think think we got to move Miami out of that tier. So, I mean, Miami because is Because still... I judged, and you judged, I think you judged Pitt so much off of the Miami game. Uh, Notre Dame's defense is a lot better well, than it, Miami's it, defense. It wasn't Notre Dame's just... offensive line is a lot better than that. Notre Dame's quarterback, Mr. Ian Book, is a lot better than DeAndre King. Oh, DeAndre King, yeah. Uh, King, well, so, so I, hold on, hold on. It, it wasn't just off of the, the Miami-Pittsburgh game. It wasn't that. It was that Pittsburgh, their only two losses before the Miami game were both by one point, like, very close games against Boston College and uh But they were teams that were highly it's, inferior to Notre Dame. Agreed. I, so you that doesn't matter. But at the same the time, like we're they, we're talking about tossing Miami out because of the uh the Virginia game, like in nineteen. No, but we're not talking about we're talking about tossing them out of that second tier category because they're not as good as these other teams. They just they don't measure up to Notre Dame and North Carolina. They just don't. Hmm. The, okay. When they play bad teams, they beat the hell out of bad teams. When they have superior talent, they beat the hell out of those teams. When they play anybody close to them in talent, those games are close. And Notre Dame and North Carolina can play with teams better than them, and they can play with teams of of of, of equal talent to them. Not the thing that they're infallible. Okay. Notre Dame barely got through Louisville. All right. North Carolina has a loss to Florida State that Miami beat the hell out of. Like, you're going to have outliers in this thing. But I watched this team, and I know that they have a common opponent against Miami, and they have a common opponent against Notre Dame. All right. And one team. Or against North Carolina, right? North Carolina. No, I'm talking about Pitt. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And and I'm judging uh, uh, Notre Dame, and I'm judging Miami. And I'm just telling you, I've watched a lot of Miami football and I've watched a whole lot of Notre Dame football. Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame and North Carolina are definitively in that second tier. And I think there's a gap between them and Miami. You might I be could right be about wrong, that. Well, I, but I, I think there's a gap between them and Miami. You you might be right about that. Miami's still only one loss on the season, but uh, yeah, they, they haven't looked, you know, dominant. Uh, they, except they for against Florida, against Florida State and against UAB. Yeah. Congratulations. That's the list. This and those were the first two games of the season. Yes. Well, and and against uh, Louisville, you know, and Miami, you know, oh, kind of right. ran it that's up right. on them. So that was the first three. I'm sorry, those the first three games of the season. Yeah. And and now here recently, like it feels like teams are kind of catching up to them a little bit. That's uh, my question: is 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 that off that new offensive scheme so great, or 
was it great because nobody knew what to – there was no tape on it. They didn't know how Miami was going to play, and now people have tape on it. Well, I mean, it's, it's not like Miami had a bad day offensively. I mean, Derek King passing the football, 21 out of 30, 322 yards, but he only had one touchdown. So they, they just couldn't get in the end zone against Virginia. Um, just one of those weird outlier games. Gary. Uh, no, I, I agree. I agree. But, it, you know, as long as you're moving the football, like, you will eventually be able to get into the end zone. And they, they had success with it early. At, they, they scored 31 on Pitt last week. We uh, saw a lot of teams this you know, week in college football that moved the football a lot and didn't get in the end zone. This is true. This is true. So, so State I don't, I don't know that that I don't know that that statement is true. Ah, okay. I mean, we will see. We got a whole lot of football left to go, but that is going to wrap up today's show. We uh, we got a good hour and a half in here, and uh, and hopefully you guys appreciate that. Again, this is a podcast exclusive. If you're listening, we appreciate what you're doing. Make sure that you share the show out. Tell your friends about it. All that good stuff. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and that you leave a nice five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, uh, a written review, if you would. We will read it on the show if you do so. We cannot thank you enough for tuning in. Make sure you go and subscribe to the Sportsbook Review YouTube page. You can search it out, SBR Picks, over on YouTube. Very simple stuff. We are there on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Saturdays. You can uh, you can find the schedule, all that good stuff. So, uh, go check that out. Go to winningcureseverything.com. Like I said, make sure you are subscribed everywhere you need to be subscribed. And make sure you follow us on Twitter. If there's a game that we didn't talk about that you want our opinion on, hey, we'll hit you up with it. So I'm at Gary WCE. I'm at Chris B. Giannini. Very simple stuff. And, of course, you can follow the Winning Cures Everything Twitter. That's at Winning Cures. So with that said, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Uh, I, I believe, yeah, there's nothing really else that we need to hit on. I think we're all good. All right, with that said, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And we will, uh, we will see you again on Monday. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com. Or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at Gary WCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.